0: Welcome to BMO COVID-19 Insights. Visit bmocm.com slash COVID-19 for more up-to-the-minute insights.
1: The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries.
2: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the managing cash flow through COVID-19 conference call. I would now like to turn the minute over to show with of view. Please go ahead. Thank
3: Thank you, operator, and welcome to our customers, our expert panel, and colleagues. My name is Sue Witteveen, and I head up North American Commercial Banking Client Coverage for Treasury and Payment Solutions. It is my pleasure to moderate. Thank you for allowing us into your home offices, kitchens, basements, walk-in closets, whatever your new safe and productive work environment happens to be. As indicated in our invite, we do not have time to field questions, however, for any questions submitted in advance, we will do our best to answer or direct you. For questions or requests for more on anything shared today, please reach out to your BMO Relationship Manager and we promise to promptly follow up. When there is no playbook for what we are all facing right now, it's important to have the right experience and expertise around the table. To share information and help support each other to navigate through this challenging period in the path forward. That's why we asked you to join us today and we have a lot to cover over the next 45 minutes so I'm going to walk you through the agenda quickly. We'll start with Michael Gregory, Deputy Chief Economist. Michael will share cross-sector perspectives to give us context as well as relevant economic info to support the actionable insights to be provided by the speakers to follow. Michael will also provide a high-level view of what the government programs mean for businesses. I will just say up front that clients are encouraged to to discuss financing options with their BMO relationship manager, which could, of course, include payment relief, information about forthcoming government programs, and other more in-depth refinancings. We expect to be ready to accept applications next week for both small business in Canada and more broadly in the U.S. Broader Canadian programs will follow later in April. We know many of you are eager for this information and your relationship managers are working around the clock to be ready to deliver appropriately. So Michael will then hand off to Jim Santoro, BMO Capital Markets Liquidity Specialist, who will address the current environment, including interest rate and liquidity solutions for your cash needs. Our key message to every client is that we have competitive, flexible options for your cash. We are very focused on this and understand this as a top priority. Please reach out to your TPS coverage professional. Jim will then turn it to Megan Kells, who heads product for North American Treasury and Payment Solutions. Megan will underscore our continued belief that the most effective, efficient, and safest means to manage cash and make payments generally and especially in this environment is with digital and image-based technologies. And she will also share best practices with respect to business continuity and the benefits of our, of our OBB platform. Megan will transition the call to Larry Velvin, head of our financial crimes unit, who will be reinforcing important lessons we need to keep in mind with respect to fraud risk. Criminals are taking advantage of organizations and infiltrating networks at alarming rates. We're hearing this from our clients every day, and it's no surprise, given the higher percentage of remote workers, pressure to get things done, often having limited or even no access to standard systems, and therefore a need to circumvent your current processes. You have an opportunity, and I would add an accountability, accountability to be one step ahead of these fraudsters, and BMO can help. So that's my intro. Let's get started, and over to you, Michael.
4: Thank you very much, Sue. good afternoon, everyone. All right, well, the escalation of business closures, job layoffs and furloughs, along with the stay-at-home orders in response to the COVID-19 crisis is having a devastating impact on the Canadian and U.S. economies. The quarter that started yesterday is poised to become the worst since the Great Depression. GDP data on a quarterly basis only started in 1961 in Canada and 1947 in the U.S., but the 25% annualized contraction, repeat, 25% annualized contraction, we're expecting for both in Q2, will be the worst in these histories. And we judge there are net downside risks to this already shocking result. And with both economies kind of hitting that COVID wall last month, Q1 growth is going to be pulled into negative territory as well. We look for the Canadian economy to contract at a 6.5% annualized rate in Q1, worse than the 5% U.S. downturn owing to the rail disruptions and the disproportionate pain caused by the collapse in oil prices. Therefore, we're in a technical recession. The economic indicators are now revealing just how bad this short-lived recession will get. For example, a recent report pegged the number of Canadians filing for EI benefits At a minimum of 2.13 million last month, enough to boost the jobless rate from 5.6 currently to well into double digit territory. U.S. initial claims, it was reported today, rose 6.6 million in the week ending Saturday and 3.3 million in the prior week, with a double digit destiny looming here as well. However, as quickly as economic performance is plummeting, policymakers are responding just as rapidly. On the U.S. side, the Fed cut policy rates by 150 basis points with the Fed funds target range now at zero to 0.25% back at that zero lower bound. Quantitative easing was reactivated, but unlike uh, the previous episodes, there was no set amount and commercial mortgages supplemented the purchases of uh, treasuries and MBS. The Fed has also reestablished special purpose vehicles to buy about $400 billion of commercial paper and asset-backed securities and again, unlike uh, the previous episode, uh, they're buying corporate bonds and loans. Uh, Treasury's kicking in $400 billion of capital, and these special-purpose vehicles are only going to skyrocket. As part of the $2.3 trillion economic support package President Trump signed last Friday, Treasury will give the Fed an additional $454 billion of capital to work with. The Fed has essentially moved from being the lender of last resort to the U.S. banking system to being the lender of last resort for the whole entire U.S. economy with the potential for close to $5 trillion in total lending via the Fed. And taking the $2.3 trillion package and the two much smaller packages that came before it altogether, they weigh in at about 11% of pre-crisis GDP. And now there's even talk about a Phase 4 package that would include uh, infrastructure spending, very similar to the 1930s New Deal. Now on the Canadian side, the Bank of Canada also cut policy rates by 150 basis points to 0.25%, which is also the zero lower bound again. And doing something that the Bank of Canada avoided during the global financial crisis, it's actually engaging in quantitative easing for the first time. It's going to purchase $5 billion of Canadian bonds per week until, in their words, the economic recovery is well underway. And it's also introduced programs to support liquidity in the markets for commercial paper, BAs, MBS, and provincial bills. On the fiscal side, uh, Ottawa's original fiscal package uh, announced on March 18th was $92 billion, and it comprised $27 billion in direct spending, $55 billion in tax deferrals, and $10 billion to support loans primarily to small and medium-sized businesses. However, uh, subsequent uh you know, major expansion of the, the that package's wage subsidy from ten percent to seventy five percent, along with new spending programs such as the two thousand dollar per month emergency EI benefit and new tax deferrals lifted the combined fiscal package for Canada to two hundred and fifty five billion dollars as of yesterday. This is now comprised of one hundred and five billion dollars in direct spending, eighty five billion dollars in tax deferrals, and sixty five billion dollars to support business loans. This weighs in at a hefty 10.9% of pre-crisis GDP, with Ottawa also committed to do more if necessary. So on both sides of the border, these monetary and fiscal policy measures, we're talking deficits topping 10% of GDP, zero interest rates, quantitative easing, they will not prevent horrendous GDP outcomes for March and April, along with outright recession. But what they do do is lay the groundwork for a very strong growth recovery once the COVID crisis ebbs. Now, will that be late May, June, or July? We just don't know. And while the growth rates, when we start growing again, should look spectacular, for example, just as a, you know, as a placeholder, we pencil in a 30% annualized growth for both Canada and the United States in the third quarter. But again, that's highly dependent on when the crisis ends. The level of GDP is going to take some time before we're back where we were before. Unemployment rates are going to fall from their peaks, but not all the way down to where they were before the crisis began. Note that uh, despite a very strong second-half recovery, uh, that still won't stop the full year for this year, 2020, averaging negative growth on both sides of the border. And that's a 3% 3 decline in Canada and a 2.5% decline in the US. So with that, I'll turn things over to my colleague, Jim Santoro.
2: Thank you, Michael. I wanna echo my colleague's sentiments in saying first, thank you for joining the call today. And second, and most importantly saying, we sincerely hope that everyone is staying safe and healthy. Michael just painted a somewhat grim picture in the near term for Canada, the US, and really the global economy. So using his comments as a springboard, I wanted to spend the next 10 minutes or so discussing three things in particular that provide some color as to what we are seeing in the market from a corporate cash perspective, as well as provide some ideas on how managing liquidity through these uncertain times can be done effectively and efficiently. First, I will walk through how a large number of companies are reacting to the downturn and how they view and shore up cash. Secondly, in light of a cash buildup. With prefaces my first point, we will discuss what liquidity solutions are being most utilized to house treasury cash and detail several solutions that may make sense in this market to not only provide a safe harbor for cash, but some simple strategies that may also help you optimize yield in the process. Thirdly, we'll look forward and conclude with what I expect to unfold in the near term for liquidity solutions including whether we feel short-term liquidity products and solutions may suffer from negative yields. Let's jump into the first topic. What we are seeing in the market in terms of liquidity as this crisis has unfolded and deepened? Well, the first thing we're seeing is a very large buildup of cash. I argue what we're seeing is majority of companies, or at least a large number of companies, both large and small, are creating a beachhead, if you will, to shore up cash. So whether it's a small family business drawing on a revolving line of credit or a multi-billion dollar multinational drawing on a billion dollar revolving credit facility, companies are looking up shoring up cash to navigate them through this crisis. However, the focus of my discussion is not necessarily to opine on the efficacy of increasing cash in your balance sheet via credit, but rather to review what we are seeing myriad companies do with this cash in this environment, and with many company balance sheets increasing, at least in the near term, and of course, with what Michael described, there are a lot of companies, unfortunately, that are suffering and going through a cash drain, but with many companies increasing their cash, what we can do to see how that cash finds safe harbors, and ultimately, if there is a possibility to pick up yields that may exist throughout not only bank balance sheets, but other short-term liquidity products. So the crux of this is really the second topic. Those cash solutions that are most prevalent, and is there any opportunity to generate much return in this market without taking outsized risk? Well, we can probably fill up the next five hours with that discussion in terms of risk and return trade-offs. So in the interest of what we are seeing most prevalently in the marketplace, that is the majority of companies that we deal with saying, number one, They want to be as safe as possible with the cash they have on hand, and number two, with the ripe uncertainty unfolding under the umbrella of COVID-19, having as much accessibility to that cash, I'm going to narrow the discussion here over the next several minutes to those solutions that, number one, afford companies principal protection, and number two, enable them to access that necessary cash within a 90-day period. Right. So, what are we are seeing in a lot of respects, and what are we getting a lot of questions are, is how companies can view risk mitigated investments. And first and foremost, we're having a lot of questions now on sovereigns and what yields in either Canada government paper or treasuries are yielding, and how clients can get into government or treasury only money market mutual funds. Now, certainly, these type of interests, these type of investments, rather, and harbors for cash, are risk-free and very safe, but the reality is, with the flight to safety, the growing demand for government paper has driven yields near zero, not only on straight purchase of government paper, but also in government and money market mutual funds. So certainly, if you're taking a look at leaving money either in government Canada bills or treasury bills, what you're seeing are yields approaching zero, and most recently, yield on U.S. treasuries have traded negative. So while this is a risk-free solution, and only funds governed by CDIC and FDIC can also be considered risk-free, you will not see much return, and this safe harbor may not be as attractive as those solutions that may potentially offer you additional yield opportunities. Now, not to be self-serving, but we all also, we are also seeing a large influx of cash going into bank deposits. And why is this? Well, as many of you recall, unlike 2008, which was the last great recession or real economic downturn we saw, it started as a banking crisis. It evolved into an economic crisis and then permeated through the economy. In 2020, what we have here right now is a health crisis. As Michael has pointed out, it's leading to certainly an economic crisis, and may ultimately become a banking crisis, but the reality is this. Banks, especially those well-capitalized, are in infinitely better shape than they were in 2008 and are proving to be an incredibly safe harbor for cash. And as a result, a lot of money is coming on to bank balance sheets. And even though there's been 150 basis point yield reduction from both the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve over the last several weeks, vis-a-vis some other short-term instruments government paper being one of them, there were still yield opportunities even in daily overnight liquid instruments. So it is certainly something to consider and work with your bankers on to see not only where are the safe harbors and how your accessibility to cash can be improved, but what yield opportunities they may see, or you may see rather, especially if you're building up your cash position. Now, one likely unintended consequence of the dramatic reduction in yields is we now have an upward sloping yield curve made unusually steep in indices such as one month, two month, and three month LIBOR, and one month, two month, and three month CDOR. Consequently, deposit instruments that most closely, that rather more closely mirror these indices, like short-term investment contracts and time deposits are similarly showing outside yields. For those companies that have built up cash positions in light of the economic crisis, and or simply have a level of confidence and comfortability to go out along the curve one month, two months, or three months, there is an opportunity now to capitalize on this dislocation this, this vis-a-vis overnight yields, and as a way to optimize liquidity in this market without taking any outsized risks. And it's certainly something to consider in terms of those companies that may still have an opportunity and an appetite to find out how they can generate more return especially if we've gravitated and grounded towards zero, as Michael has pointed out. The last topic I want to leave you with before I turn it over to Megan is go forward, what will we see in the market? I've been asked frequently about negative rates, and are we in a situation that are we going to have to worry about negative rates on our bank deposit products or other products? Mike touched upon, Michael touched upon this a little bit, but I think the short answer to that question is no. In fact, if you listen to what the respected central banks are saying in both Canada and the U.S., and I'll quote Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve chairman here, we do not see negative policy rates as likely to be an appropriate policy response in the United States. And the Bank of Canada has given a similar indication. Now, the reason for this is they're using every stop imaginable to shore up the economy, and they are also messaging that not only monetary policy, but the government fiscal policies are necessary in order to shore up the economies. So negative rates are probably not going to be used until all fiscal policies are exhausted. And the reality, even then, they will need to be seriously considered because using the Eurozone and some of the Nordics as an example, negative rates in those parts of the world have not had the effect that they expected to have when they were instituted several years ago. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with an evolving situation that as things hopefully improve as the year progresses, we expect to see a normalizing credit market and more liquidity in the marketplace, and the current outside yield in medium-dated indices and turn-deposit solutions, including call deposits, short-term investment contracts, time deposits, etc., will significantly lessen. Yield on sovereigns and government money market mutual funds will slightly improve, But in light of the flight to quality and where Treasury and government yields were historically, we'll probably not see that much improvement. And yields on daily liquidity bank deposits, like you're currently seeing on your current accounts, will stay where you see them today and might improve only slightly. So my advice is, I close out my section here, is to continue to focus your cash as specifically as possible in forecasting and look to carve out excess cash to place a little bit along the curve in time deposits or other areas where you may pick up yield. Make sure you're looking to utilize prime money market mutual funds if you are comfortable in that product and comfortable with the floating net asset value, as our long weighted average maturities will benefit you for the next couple of months. And please keep an eye on indices at one month, two month, and three months, because as Libor and CDOR in those terms recede. The benefit of locking up funds vis-a-vis keeping your money fully liquid will lessen your time. Thank you for the discussion on liquidity. And I am now privileged to turn it over to Megan Kells, who's the most financial group North American treasury payments and payments solutions product head. And will give you an update on preparing your finance department for today. Megan.
5: Thanks, Jim. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone, and it's my pleasure to spend a few minutes talking to you this afternoon about things to think about in managing your business and your cash flow in such a turbulent time. I don't want this to be a sales pitch today, so many of the things that I talk to are likely not going to be new for most on the call. Many of you are doing a host of these things already today. I would position this more as a reminder of the best practices in an environment where Work locations are shifting, individuals are performing different roles that they may not be as familiar with, and the need to be as efficient as possible with shifting demands from your customers. I think there's three themes to keep front and center when you're thinking about your cash flow with everything going on. Going digital, considering the use of mobile, and staying safe, having a heightened awareness of your controls, and enhancing your security. First theme of going digital. Most of you on the call today are on our online channel, online banking for business, OBB, and that's really the first step. Its sole purpose is to help you move your money in a simple, reliable, and secure way anywhere that you're doing business, including the kitchen. As Jim mentioned, cash flow and working capital is key. So just a, um, a reminder that OBB does have a cash flow forecasting tool that can help you manage your cash flow with a history of transactions so that you can examine the inflows and the outflows of your business. But thinking about how you optimize sending your money and receiving your money is really key in this critical time. One thing I will say is there's very few things that can be a positive outcome of the current global situation, but perhaps one of them is the environment is right to quickly move to digital. If your company or your suppliers or your customers are not there yet, I think you will find that people are moving there themselves because they have to. Sending your money. OOBB has lots of options for sending money online. EFT, ACH, tax and bill payments, wire payments, interac transfer in Canada, BMO Global Pay for low-value international payments out of Canada, Zelle in the U.S., And importantly, sometimes forgotten, BMO Corporate Card. So our role in product is really to work with your payment relationship manager, as Sue talked about at the top of the call, to assist you in how you optimize your payment strategy. How do you send your payments in the most efficient and cost-effective way? So we can help you think through across all of the payments you normally make and what's the right mix of payment type once you view your payments through the lens of, dollar size of the payment, currency type, finality of the payment requirements, and the payment information details that you want to send. We can help you identify and contact vendors that accept card payments to help you and your vendors improve working capital, and also maximize the card rebates to add revenue to your business when you need it most. For situations where you may typically issue checks, you may find your partners are more receptive to receiving payments via a different type, like ACH or EFT. So as you contemplate these different payment options, we have also ramped up our onboarding teams to help you get up, get set up and transact quickly. Similarly for receiving money, OOBB has a variety of choices to help you collect funds faster. E-transfer, EFT, Deposit Edge for Cash, which is our Smart Safe, or Deposit Edge. For those that are in a heavy check environment for receivables, we uh, encourage you to think about Deposit Edge, and we've been working with our scanner suppliers to ensure they have an inventory ready to go as we see uh, demand increasing for this solution. And again, a great time to reach out to your payment relationship manager so that we can work with you to encourage your customers where possible to send their payments via an electronic method, as we know some companies have been incenting their customers to do just that. The second theme would be going mobile. Now's a great time to consider downloading the OBB app on your tablet or phone so your office can be where you are. As Sue mentioned, the kitchen, the basement, or anywhere that your dog is not barking. Uh, The mobile app does not have every single feature but it allows you to do most things. I would also be bold and ask you to consider using biometrics. That's a capability that's built right into the app and your approval can be done using your eyes, face, voice, or fingerprint. The OBB app can be downloaded in less than five minutes and you can download the biometrics piece with at least two modalities like eyes and fingerprint with one minute after that. And we have over 4,000 users transacting using the app and biometrics today. So to close off this section, I also wanted to mention we've made a significant investment in OLBB around self-help. We're very conscious that call centers and help desks at different companies that you may be reaching out to have very long wait times. And you will experience a slightly longer wait time with us as well, but we were well on the journey of beefing up our self-help tools. So, there's things like the Help Center, a searchable keyword uh, tool that enables you to look up certain topics. It also includes videos. We've also invested in a tool called ShowMe, which gives you interactive real-time walkthroughs of common tasks like setting up a new user. The last thing before I turn it over to Larry is stay safe. How do you have heightened awareness of your controls in this environment? And I would call this good payment hygiene in this type of environment. With different individuals moving their work to different locations, the potential of some individuals sharing roles that they wouldn't have performed before. I would encourage everybody to take another look at your controls. Examples like approvals for wire limits, ACH and EFT. Do you want dual approvals for certain dollar limits? Ask your users if they're in different environments to reaffirm they're using really strong passwords. And lastly, I would ask you to double check acting on any external email instructions like supplier invoices and double-checking the email addresses, a few things that are just really good financial hygiene on how to continue to be safe. And with that, I'll turn that over to my colleague, Larry Zelvin, who will continue on the theme of staying safe. Larry, over to you.
0: Great, Megan. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, everyone, and appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Uh, I lead BMO's financial crime unit, so I oversee cybersecurity, fraud, physical security, and crisis management for the company globally. I'm going to talk a little bit about the COVID-19 operating environment, talk about the security situation because of COVID-19, talk about BMO's security approach, and then finally talk about company, family, and personal security, and I'm going to do it all in about eight or nine minutes. So the COVID operating environment. Prior to this pandemic, no one in the security industry ever envisioned the remote access environment we're all working at at this scale. The use of remote collaboration tools out of band conferencing systems, messaging platforms, and productivity apps are being used at an unprecedented scale. We'll just look at Zoom as one example. Our processes are changing quickly and creating new risks. At the same time, there's more money in the systems than ever before. Trillions of dollars from the United States government, billions from the Canadian government. Funds are incredibly important for companies and individuals alike, but they also present a huge opportunity for cyber criminals. And believe me, they're aware. Just in the last few days, the FBI, the United States Secret Service, Europol, UK National Cybersecurity Centers, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, the Financial Services ISAC, the Canadian Center for Cybersecurity, and also the International Association of Police Chiefs have all given very stern warnings about the security threats that are being uh, occurring at this time. Some vendors are reporting in the security space that they're detecting uh, threats 600 to 800 times greater than what they saw prior to the COVID crisis. Thousands of COVID-related websites are being created on a daily basis, and they're going after mobile apps, too. Regrettably, many of these attacks are going after healthcare care uh, services. Everything from the World Health Organization's the Centers for Disease Control, hospitals, and pharmaceutical companies. There have been some financial companies that have also been successfully attacked, such as Finastra, which is a financial technology company, and Chubb, which is an insurance provider. A few days ago, the Wall Street Journal had an article that said that cyber threats and the fraud threats may not be known for weeks. I regret that article, while very good, underestimated because we're starting to see an extraordinary amount of these uh, threats showing up on a daily basis, so we don't have the time that we once thought. When it comes to security... There are gaps that we are aware of, and there are gaps that we are likely have yet to imagine, but that will show up. But let me give you some of the more common themes that you need to be on the alert for. Email schemes are really revolving around friends, family, and coworkers that have tested positive. Fake emails from the Centers of Disease Control or World Health Organizations. Requests for charitable contributions. Uh, Emails that are offering financial relief. Fake cure vaccine and test kits decontamination, personal protective equipment, and supplies shortages. What are they after? Usernames and passwords, data births, government identification numbers, financial data. They're either looking to steal money right away or potentially sell access uh, on something called the dark web. Additionally, we need to be on the alert for greater insider threat or insider trading, denial of service, and business email compromise threats. Physical security threats could also increase, too, over time. At BMO, we, our security approach evolved over the last few years. As I said, I lead a group called the Financial Crimes Unit, where we have cyber fraud, physical security, and crisis management all in one organization. That gives us a synergy that very few, if any, companies have. We have, within our fusion center, the Financial Crimes Unit, we also have our security teams working elbow to elbow with bankers and business function experts from legal, risk, and communications, just to name a few. It is a truly unique approach to security, but one that we think is the 21st century model and provides the best uh, capabilities for not only our bank, but our clients and partners. We're also using a follow-the-sun methodology that allows that ensures that the BMO security team never sleeps. We're always on an alert to detect and respond to security threats because our teams around the world are always present and ready. We're also closely connected with colleagues around the world, government law enforcement and others as well as security vendors, to stay well-connected to the new threats as they emerge. We're using artificial intelligence and machine learning to do cyber and fraud detections, and then we're also making sure our global facilities remain secure as most of our workforce works from home. When you look at your company, your family, and your personal security, I'd offer a few things. First, heighten your awareness of the threat. Slow down, and as we used to say, stop, think, and connect. Many of these cyber attacks are occurring because people are distracted, because they're fearful, or they're just going too fast. Stop, think, connect. That's better than any software, any artificial intelligence can can provide at this time. I'd also offer watch your finances closely and look at them often. Report anomalies quickly. If, if they have access, if they have your username and password, it'll probably show on your account. The sooner you can find that and report it to the appropriate uh, group, the more likely you are to get your money back. As Megan was saying, biometric authentications and two-factor authentication should be uh, part of your routine. And if you have any applications or any financial uh, services that you're not using two-factor biometric authentication, I would strongly encourage you to do so quickly. You also need to ensure your computers remain up to date on the latest software. That includes your iPhones, your iPads, your other tablets or any other mobile devices. If you have an iPhone, Go to Settings, go to General, and go to Software Update. If you have numbers, which are red, associated to anything on your devices, you really need to go in and look at it because there are security um, updates that are happening regularly, and if you do not employ them on your computers, you're putting yourself at great risk. Lastly, stay up to date on the threats by Googling cybersecurity or fraud and look at the latest news articles. What was good advice today may be irrelevant or no longer uh, useful to- tomorrow and going forward. So you really do need to stay up on this. Lastly, if there's anything that I or the Financial Crimes Unit at BMO can do, please contact your Relationship Manager, and we'd be happy to, uh, to offer our assistance. Sue, I'll turn it back over to you.
3: Okay. Thank you, Larry, and thank you, Michael, Jim and Megan. Um, everybody, it wasn't intentional that we started with Michael who, who raised our blood pressure, then, then Jim and Megan did a good job normalizing it with their reassuring advice and then Larry raised it right back up again with his always uh, fascinating insights and also very good tips. But there but, but there you have it. Um, okay, let me try to wrap up. So We're almost at time. Uh, as BMO Vice Chair Kevin Lynch wrote in yesterday's Globe and Mail, Governments, businesses, and households globally have been shocked and shaken to the core by the COVID-19 epidemic. And Michael's comments at the outset certainly echo that sentiment. Right now, public health protocols, to slow the spread of the virus are the priority. And this has required unprecedented degrees of business and social shutdowns around the world. At BMO, we do understand that businesses and workers are in urgent need of three things. Liquidity, liquidity, and liquidity. And I will just add in prudent uh, fraud uh, mitigation measures as well. So during times like these, speed wins and simplicity and stimulus delivery is its enabler. At BMO, we are here to help you navigate and find solutions, so please reach out to us. Thank you so much for your time and attention. And with that, today's call is concluded. Stay well, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more insights, visit BemoCM.com slash COVID-19.
1: This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns, Inc., and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO. For full legal disclosure, please visit BMOCM.com slash legal. To access our full disclosures for equity research reports, please visit Research GlobalZero.bimo slash public dash disclosure slash.